Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Men's Show, where today we're talking about men, vulnerability, and the Sacrament of Reconciliation, a title that Father Jeff doesn't like at all. But hopefully he <laughs> likes the Sacrament of Reconciliation here in just a minute. for better ones in the comments, you know, since apparently. Roll that tape. <laughs> Before we dive into how difficult it is for John Mark to be vulnerable around other men. <laughs> or to ever stop talking. I we're mean, going to pay yeah. the bills. So please, if you can donate at awakencatholic.org slash donate, we tremendously appreciate it. There is not a better show on the interweb than this show right here, especially when Nick DeLatore is not involved. So please donate at awakencatholic.org slash donate. Also, there's a tremendous app. You download it here on your phone. And then you can talk to us and we'll talk back to you in a nice way. Um, so download the Awakened Catholic app today. And lastly, Hallow. We love Hallow. Hallow, we love you. And um, Hallow loves us. So download it on your phone as well. You can hear Father Mike Schmitz and others just kind of talk to you. And a lot of the other guys say they listen to Father Mike allow him to put him to sleep or them to sleep. It's wonderful. I don't even know. Let's just go to the show. <laughs> I was going to say you're really I feel good like at this. That was a moment of vulnerability that I, you just shared with you know, us. You got off your chest right there. I well, like. I don't. <laughs> I think we need to dig deeper, but you know, maybe. I am a little jealous actually right now. If my wife is watching, she's been listening to the Bible in the year with Father Mike Schmitz, and like everyone's listening. I feel like everyone dude, except for me is listening to that. I'm not listening to it. My, my wife has been joking yeah. that, that that audio book by by Father Mike Schmitz. I think they call it the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, he's brought me to tears, literally listening yeah, to his yeah. homilies. He's fantastic. Yeah, so a gift to the church. Speaking of being vulnerable, it hasn't always been easy for me to cry, though, in front of others because I'm a man and I don't want to show my vulnerability. So we're going to talk about that today, why it's so difficult. And he agreed that he was going to cry for us on demand. So maybe we'll just get that out of the way first. It's actually like super easy now to make me cry really? because I've really? fully embraced my masculinity. I'm fully comfortable in who I am. I have no problems whatsoever anymore. Well, now I feel dumb for joking. And so that. now I'm going. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I think there is a struggle in our society, especially to be a man, to be vulnerable. And there's also like this, it, we've almost been pushed to the complete opposite extremes though, where it's like we've left these ideas of what it truly means to be masculine. So that we start off the whole series of the men's show talking about what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be masculine? Uh, but we didn't really dive too deeply into like kind of the vulnerability piece. And so we want to do that a little bit in today's show. So John Mark, maybe I'll start with you. Um, do you find it easy or difficult to be vulnerable with another brother in Christ concerning maybe something that you're struggling with or, you know, is there other guys in your life that they're addicted to something they haven't shared that, but it comes out later. Um, talk to us a little bit about your own personal walk with vulnerability. Sure. You know, it depends on the brother, I suppose, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I've certainly come a long way with this particular one. We all, we all struggle with this as humans. And then I think as men in particular, because men, we have this proclivity to, um, to certain vices that, 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 um, are apt to want to apt for us to, to keep more of it inward. Um, and it's funny, I, I've often thought it's interesting that we have this sort of trope in human culture that, you know, that, that men are, are not emotional and women are maybe more emotional. And I don't, I don't think that's really necessarily the case at all. I think men are extremely emotional. It's just that men tend to keep that buried very deep down because when it comes out for the men and for the people around them, it's maybe rather alarming. Mm -hmm. um, I think we men do tend to keep it more inside. Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, Teresa and I were talking about this the other day about how the 
the revelation of the interior life to another person is such a precious thing. You know, that's how we, that's how we are known. That's how we, that's part of any relationship is this revealing of who I am to you, revealing uh, my, my inner life uh, in such a way that you couldn't actually know it otherwise. Like you couldn't read it about it on Facebook. Even if I overshared on Facebook, you couldn't really know me without me revealing myself to you. And so that, that self-revelation in any relationship is so important, but we do as human beings in general, I think, but also in, as men in certain ways in particular, we, um, we tend to swing in the, uh, in the direction of, of not um, doing that, even in the, the relationships where it makes the most sense, where we really should be sharing more of our heart. And that, I think that includes in prayer as well. Um, uh, someone pointed out to me recently, might have been a homily, but how we, oftentimes we tell God what we think he wants to hear. We tell him a lot of pious things. We say a lot of pious words. Oh, Lord, thank you for this and help me with that. But do we ever really get around to telling the Lord how we feel? Hmm. Maybe our, 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 maybe our disappointments, maybe the things that we don't understand about our life. Like, God, why, why the heck, why is this happening? Why does this, why did you let this happen? But God wants that relationship with us. And if we never actually tell the Lord what's in our heart, then maybe we're just telling him what, he, what we think God wants to hear. And we're actually keeping part of ourselves from him. Yeah. There's a practice that, uh, a family that I know does every night at the dinner table, they sit down and they do peak pit and prayer from the day. Okay. So what was your peak? Nice. What was your pit? What's something you'd like to pray for? I like that. Um, so I was visiting their house, um, one evening and, uh, their youngest, um, at the time who I think in the, at the time was like a kindergartner, maybe, um, we had gotten caught up in a conversation. He said, we got to stop. We got to do peak pit and prayer. It's a wonderful opportunity to get to, you know, catch up on the day, know what's going on in your family's life. What was the high point? What was the low point? What would you like to pray for? Wonderful tradition. So I sort of took that, stole it, as you know, any good minister does. You see something <laughs> good, you steal it, you set it everywhere else. Um, so I've been telling people, you know, this peak pit and prayer is a real good thing to do in a family. It's a real good thing to do in a group. Um, but somewhere along the line, I realized to really amp that up a little bit, I started challenging the people that I was doing it with to um, their prayer intention had to be something for themselves. So it's real easy to do. My high point today was this. My low point to the, to today was that. And I would like to pray for peace in the Middle East. Great thing to pray for. Yeah. Right? Um, but eventually, I, by, I'll attribute it to the Holy Spirit. I, I started telling people, okay, but your prayer intention has to be something for you. And to see how much more difficult that simple activity of going around the table uh, with the peak, the pit, the prayer, when you have to pray for something for yourself – exponentially more difficult. And I think it's because of this idea of vulnerability. I don't want people to know that I need anything. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to know that I need prayers. And um, I certainly don't want to tell them what it is that I need prayers for, mm -hmm. um, which you see a lot in, sometimes there's a very good reason for it, but uh, a lot of times you'll get like, um, can you pray for a special intention for me? Yeah. yeah. Well, all the, all the intentions are special, right? And sometimes there's like, that's a necessary thing. I really can't sure. tell you, but just as often, I think it's like, I don't really want to tell you what it is that I need prayers for. It's an act of vulnerability. Um, or I'll talk about this with couples who are preparing for marriage. And I'll say, do you pray with one another? I say, well, we go to mass together. Um, we pray before meals together. Yeah. But do you, do you like pray from the heart yeah. with each other? for each other in front of each other 
that's a little that's a little more vulnerable. It's a little more dicey. It's a little more risky, right. um, and we have a, a certain reticence to do that. Mm-hmm. I think there's two desires a human person has, and I think this is why men struggle. But we we need to be fully known and fully loved. And we're afraid if we're fully known, we won't be fully loved. Mm-hmm. Like people will see who we actually are, that yes, we're a priest, and but we're not perfect and we have our own struggles. Or yes, you know, I'm a f- father and I, you know, struggle with different things. And so that's a scary place to be. Um, but I want to dig into that a little bit more. Like what is it about being fully known that do you think we're scared about? Like is it is it a desire just to be to be loved and – um, wanting to be loved by others. Like- well, yeah, I think it's it's this idea that I can curate a, a version of me that I know that you will accept and that you will love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't guarantee if you knew the full story that you that that you'd still be here, mm-hmm. that you'd still love me. Um, but that's really at the heart of Christian friendship is authentic love. It's what's at the heart of Christian marriage, authentic love. Uh, but it has to start with our relationship with the Lord, um, because that's the one. That's really the one safe place to start. Um, you can be assured that God already knows you, mm-hmm. and so to allow yourself to be known by Him and allow yourself to be loved by Him is where you'll experience that um, truly unconditional love. It's the difference between conditional love and unconditional love, mm-hmm. and we love all sorts of people conditionally. We just do. Yeah, I love you. Um, until you upset me or until you move away Ourselves included. or until whatever. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of conditional love that is not necessarily malicious in intent even. Um, but we have so few experiences then of unconditional love. And I think my opinion is you start with receiving that from God and then you're able to give it and receive it from other people as well, mm-hmm. which is where the confession thing comes in, which is where we're most – vulnerable with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. We have instantiated in confession uh, from the Lord, this invitation to at least start that with God and because of the nature of confession too, with another person, you know, even in this, this, um, what seems like a safer way because of the privacy, the confession, all that still, it it does, it does uh, necessitate us taking at least one step outside of our, our invulnerability Mm -hmm. to share. Well, and it's difficult to do that with God. So I always think when I'm t- telling people about reconciliation, I start with the book of Genesis because I'm long-winded. So if you want to talk about a, a new covenant sacrament that you want to celebrate tomorrow, we're going to have to start with the beginning of time. Uh, but uh, the, that's where the beginning of confession is, is that after the first sin, God's walking through the garden right. and Adam and Eve go to hide behind yeah. the bush. They want to hide their sinfulness. Um, and what does God do? He he draws the truth out of them. He asks them questions that he already knows the answers to. He says, where are you? God knows where they are. They didn't fool him behind the bush. Um, he asks, why are you there? He knows why they're there. What have you done? Did you eat the fruit of the tree? Um, and, and he has to, he has to sort of coax this in a way out of Adam because it's difficult to be vulnerable with God. Um, so there, there's two aspects to that experience of the confessional, it is important and there's something there's this very human need to speak it out loud to another human being and to understand that another human being is hearing what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um but take that out of it. Even if it was Jesus Christ, not in the person of the priest, but Jesus Christ himself on the other side of that screen, I think we'd still have a very human hesitation 
to doing that. We, we, it's part of our sinfulness is that, um, we fear God in an unhealthy way. We, we, we worry mm -hmm. what he's going to say, what he's going to do, sure. if he's still going to love us. Mm. So it, it's, there is that human aspect to it, the human component. Um, but it's difficult when you're dealing with God directly. Yeah. Another connection with the book of Genesis that I always like to point out to people is, you know, in the beginning, God breathed into the nostrils of man and Adam became a living being. The only other time we see God breathe over man was when he's instituting the sacrament of reconciliation in John chapter 20, uh, verse 22. It says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is Jesus instituting the sacrament upon his apostles, giving them the authority to forgive sins or retain the sins of those that they will go out and be ministers of reconciliation with. Father, I wonder, I think I heard you talk one time about the sacrament of reconciliation. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but in oh, the talk, oh, clearly he does every <laughs> show. Uh, but um, you mentioned that this is, if not more powerful, just as powerful as an exorcism. Um, because like, you, you just, you're, you're made new in Christ. Demons are cast out. Can you talk to us about what actually happens in the sacrament of reconciliation when a penitent goes in and confesses his sins and the priest is there and then says the words of absolution? What, what is happening spiritually in that situation? Well, so the scriptures teach us that whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Um, so there's some degree to uh, that we can say that anytime we commit sin, we're allowing the evil one into our life. We're allowing him to control a part of our life. Um, and so insofar as we sin, we have part with the devil. Um, and insofar as we are free from sin, we have no part with the devil. Um, so, so that's where that idea enters into the sacrament of reconciliation is that we're being reclaimed for Christ yet again. It's not that Christ has in any way disowned us, but we've drawn away from him because of our sinful actions. Um, and so at, at our baptism, we are claimed for Christ uh, by being freed from sin. And in the early church, in fact, the sacrament of reconciliation was referred to as a second baptism. It's when we, when we revert back to our old ways, um, when we, when we allow the evil one into our life, when we allow evil and corruption and sin into our hearts, um, we need to be reclaimed by Christ. So, it it's it's very analogous to uh, the sacrament of baptism, which includes the idea of exorcism, which includes the idea of new birth and new beginning and um, supernatural life, mm -hmm. and all of that happens. Um, in every confession, whether it's a dramatic one where it's been like 40 years since my last confession and there's uh, tears and and rejo great rejoicing and or it's been two weeks since my last confession and I'm confessing the same sins this time as I did last time. And there's nothing dramatic about it, but hmm. that same thing has happened is I'm I'm being reclaimed by Christ and renewed in his grace. So why does the church, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the church only calls it we should go to confession once a year. Like that's the invitation at least once, right? So the, minimum, that, the, minimum. the precept of the church is that we should receive the sacrament of reconciliation whenever we're conscious of grave sin or at least once a year. Okay. So the idea is that if you are not conscious of having committed any grave sins for 364 days, 
that you should still go to confession on the 365th day mm-hmm. um, so that you're celebrating that sacrament at least once a year. Um, we must confess our mortal sins, but we're able to confess venial sins as well. Um, so there are people alive, I believe, who can go a year without committing grave sin. I think that's a possible thing yeah. with God's grace. Um, so for them, they should go to confession at least once a year. Um, that's probably not as many people as some might think. Um, most of us should probably be on a program um, of confessing more more than once a year. But the church lays down those precepts. I mean, there's also the, this in the same list of precepts that you should receive Holy Communion at least once a year. Mm-hmm. We would never say that that's so f- that like that's a great idea. Just once a year, mm-hmm. receive the Holy Eucharist. But saying at least once a year. Um, don't let a whole year go by. So rather than looking at it as the precepts of the church are the ideal, they're really the minimum mm-hmm. invitation to to make sure that mm-hmm. you're staying alive. So I wanted to to go back again to, to this question of vulnerability. We, we've uh, pursued one thread, which is the the difficulty and vulnerability connected to our brokenness, our sinfulness. But another effect of the fall was that it's not. It's a di- there's a difficulty being vulnerable, even if it's not connected to a, a moral failure or our, or some some darkness we want to hide. Part of the effect of the fall is realizing like realizing our vulnerability, realizing that oh, if I reveal my interior life, I may be rejected. Hmm. Like it may not be that I reveal a fault or something I'm embarrassed about. It just might be I re- might reveal my heart to my spouse or to a friend, mm-hmm. or again perhaps if I struggle with trust in God, if I really reveal my heart to God, my desires my hopes, my dreams, mm-hmm. that maybe I'll be rejected or maybe I'll be looked down upon or maybe those will be used against me in some in some way in different yeah. relationships. So there's, there's that aspect of it too in that uh, uh, it's an act of trust in time we reveal that to certainly to another person, but even to God himself. Again, I think that's sometimes where we end up in prayer where I, I, have, a, I have somebody in my life who's often talked about how Sometimes they're afraid to pray for something because if they pray for that thing, then that's precisely what God won't give them. <laughs> or if things have been going well, they get this weird, like, well, maybe things are going to go bad because things have been, you know, because there's uh-huh. this underlying sense that maybe God really isn't a good, good, good father. Right. You know, that maybe that, you know, he he's more like a puppet master of the universe, you know, or something uh-huh. like that. Whereas, you know, we're told that all, like, we do have to have this underlying, we're invited to this underlying faith that all things will work together for good for those who love God. Um, but it, that's a struggle, not just in the big, dramatic mm-hmm. moments in life, but in the small decisions to reveal ourselves to other people or to reveal ourselves to God in prayer. This question of wh- whether I'll trust and, and take that step out. Well, vulnerability and love go together. That's right. Yeah. That's C.S. Lewis says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Right. Um, and that has to do with whether you're loving your child, your spouse, your friend, a stranger, or God himself. To love is to be vulnerable. Yeah. 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 I think that's painful to be vulnerable at times, uh, that that love and pain kind of are intertwined in a really mysterious Mm -hmm. way as well. I mean, we look at the cross and that is the ultimate act of love, but it's very painful. He's given himself fully for us. And I think that's the, the challenge is when you're vulnerable and because people do love so conditionally, you might be fully known, but you might not be fully loved by your spouse or by another brother, whoever it may be. And so that's a vulnerable place to be in. Like, I don't want to be like, there's almost part of me. that's like, I'd rather be protected and safe in my own little box, if you will, 
been out there and just trampled upon and people looking yeah, down upon just like stuff. the israelites would have rather have been slaves in egypt but at least they had <laughs> the flesh pots and the onions and whatever else they missed delicious really delicious because um, there's there's comfort in that but it's still slavery yeah. um that there's a though there's pain certainly in vulnerability and in confronting the truth about yourself that's also the only way to achieve freedom too yeah. so yeah. and that's what makes it worth it so uh, you can experience that in um, your marriage, right? So that's the I, the idea of the vows of marriage that I'm committing to you no matter what, for better, for worse, rich, yeah. poor, sickness, self, no matter what, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter who you turn out to be, mm-hmm. I love you, period. Yeah. There's freedom in those vows. That means I can be authentically myself with mm-hmm. my spouse. No masks, no Instagram versions of who I am. And I can be assured that this person isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, in practice, we've kind of lost that a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, there are so many broken marriages. And so we wonder if that's not just, um, you know, well, we say that, but we don't really mean it. Mm-hmm. But the the idea of the the marriage vows is to allow you to experience the kind of love yeah. that God has for each one of us and that's an unconditional love right. we experience that too in the sacrament of reconciliation there's such a sense of freedom and pope francis describes this very well um he he talks very um openly about his own spirit experiences in confession and people really identify with that and he says you know you're waiting in line for confession and though I don't know that the Pope really has to wait in line, I'm pretty sure like <laughs> Pope wants to go to confession. We can make that. It's a, sorry, Holy Father, if you can wait a few minutes. Well, you know, he likes to slip out in right. the middle of the night. You know, so maybe he's just jumping in random lines. But he says, you so. know, it, when you're waiting in line, you're feeling all sorts of anxiety and you're all feeling all sorts of shame and, and, and worry and doubt. And he says, but then when you leave, you feel so free. Um, and so there is pain going into it because to be vulnerable is risky. Um, but that's there's no better freedom that comes from that as well. There's there's mm-hmm. freedom in being loved truly and deeply just for who you are. Yeah, you know that we I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but how we um, we can't wait around for those moments where vulnerability is necessitated. We have to be practicing that as a habit of life. You know, like we we practice that habit of courageously kind of going out in the appropriate context and situations. And again, confession is a great example of that. Like making a regular practice of that is to make the practice of revealing my heart, even if on a particular day I don't feel like it or I'm dealing with all those anxieties. Mm -hmm. But I think in our relationships too, again, we we have to make a habit of of coming out of ourselves and appropriately revealing our hearts into our spouse or to our children or or our brothers um, in appropriate ways. Also thinking about too, as the Christian, like we, in imitation of Christ, you know, what what does He do? He makes Himself vulnerable, um, and it it doesn't doesn't just accidentally happen that that then He receives the spears and arrows of outrageous misfortune in His life. Mm-hmm. No, He knew that was going to happen. Like He went, He He made Himself vulnerable, knowing that He was going to receive the sin of the world. That he was going to receive the betrayal. That He was going to receive the. And part of the, it seems like part of the vocation of the Christian is to. Um, to be vulnerable and expect that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And again, in imitation of Christ, to receive it and be prepared precisely to take it to the cross, mm-hmm. not to pass it on. Again, like what, you know, the old phrase, hurting people hurt people. 
Right. Well, as a Christians, we, we want to be practicing this in imitation of Christ, this courageous um, receiving evil, receiving hurt, receiving sometimes the disappointment of not, um, I guess, having our vulnerability mm-hmm. met with the love that mm-hmm. we expect from other humans mm-hmm. and precisely bearing that um, and forgiving and, and going on with that. That In Christ, the, the evil comes to me, but it stays with me. I don't pass it on. I don't reciprocate mm-hmm. it. I don't expand it. I agree with that. Except for when that applies to God, because though we right. naturally, which I'm sure you do as well, yeah. I'm just I'm making clarification sure. not for you, <laughs> but for anyone who might hear it a different way. Yeah, um, and that what that's particularly why prayer and the sacrament of reconciliation are a privileged place, because yeah. that's the one place that you aren't going to be rejected sure. for sure. Mm-hmm. You might worry that you might feel that maybe that'll happen, so that's why there's a little trepidation there. Mm-hmm. But 100% for sure, God never rejects those who come to him. A humble and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not spurn. And so that's why that's such a privileged place of encountering authentic love. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there we can be sure that there's perceived risk, but there's no actual risk. Right, right. Agree hundred percent in the world that there is a there's a real risk. Mm -hmm. It's perceived and a real risk. And sometimes it ends with spears and arrows yeah. when it comes to the people of this world, right. uh, but never with the Lord. Well, that has to be part of our charisma, right? Because that's what – I mean you can't know that though until you do it. Right. Like we can propose that to people, that this is what we're proposing as, as Christians, that the mm-hmm. Lord is good, that all things will work together for good for those who trust mm-hmm. in God. But it still, of course, involves that person having to come to know the Lord Jesus and then still make a decision, okay, I'm going to trust. To step out in faith, yeah. yeah. All of this points to me too, to this reality of like, so prayer for man is really important so that we're in tune with our identity, our relationship with God so that we can feel comfortable in being vulnerable. Secondly, the sacrament of reconciliation where we are fully known and fully loved. And there can be a temptation even going into reconciliation though, to not allow yourself to be fully known. Like, I don't want to actually tell them everything that I did because that'll make me feel really comfortable, but we have to kind of get over that, push through it. Mm-hmm. But then as men too, how important it is to have a fraternity, brothers that we can be vulnerable with, um, because there are some burdens that men do carry as husbands and as fathers that, you know, can't always share because maybe your wife had a really difficult day or the kids are having a difficult time and you have to help carry them, right? You have to be their Simon and they might be going through a difficult time and they can't necessarily always help you carry your burden. So you need brothers to lean on to help you carry your cross. That's and if you don't have that, then you, t- then you tend to interiorize everything and, you, and that's where it eats away at you. I think. That's a great point. Yeah. God has made us, we have a certain nature. Uh, it doesn't change. And even if we don't necessarily feel like it on a given day, like we are people who we need the Lord God almighty. If we're married, we need our, need our spouse, but then also as human beings, we need community. And as men, I think maybe in a particular way, as men, we need other men. And those those relationships can't substitute for one another. You know, I think mm-hmm. even again, even guys who are married still need their fraternity. Yeah. I think even guys who are priests, they the still need that love of friendship is not community. optional. It's yeah. not bonus. Right. It's it's part of who we are as human beings. Yes. And authentic friendship has to be rooted in love. Mm-hmm. And so that means vulnerability and honesty and truth. It has to be, or it's not real friendship. It's something else, and it might not be bad. But it's not what we were made for. Right. It's not going to satisfy that longing. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Well, as Pope Benedict the Sixteenth said, you're not made for comfort. You are made for greatness. So men, mm. 
Don't be afraid to be vulnerable, uh, whether that's in the sacrament of reconciliation or with a fellow brother in Christ. And we'll see you next time on The Men's Show. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by The Awakened Nation and The Hollow App. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.